oh, the big banks are failing and we're all screwed. Yes, that's the news. That's what the headlines are saying. But how does this affect you? You're trying to get your start in the world by buying your first home. So should you be scared? What are your next best moves? Let's find out. What's happening, my how to buy a homies? How are you, gang? I'm your host, David Sidoni. And today was supposed to be another episode that I was going to drop here. But on March 10th, you might have heard about a little run on a bank and then a subsequent collapse of that one and another one and another one. Look, of course, I understand banks collapsing. It's never a good thing. And it's not the kind of news that you want to hear. And with the bank collapses of 2008 still fresh in some people's minds, Everybody's seeking some clarity on how this 2023 bank collapse affects all of us, especially you homies out there who are trying to get your ducks in a row for this giant financial decision that you've got coming. It's scary enough being a first-time homebuyer. Now you're a first-time homebuyer when they're run on banks. So what I did was I decided to put this episode out immediately. I spent the last week listening, reading, researching, and I've put together a cheat sheet for you to help understand this mess. I put the links to a bunch of different articles that I found in the show notes, and trust me, uh, that rabbit hole can get pretty bogged down in the numbers and theoretical banker math and some basic shenanigans that went on. So uh, that's why I opted to bump the previously scheduled episode uh, in case you're out there reading those articles yourself, because I want you to get the layman summary of what happened. And most importantly, how this is going to affect you in your first-time home-buying bid. Okay, so here's what I'm going to lay out for you in today's podcast. We're going to talk about uh, the timeline of what happened. Important to know. Then we're going to look at what actually happened and why it happened. Um, I'm going to tell you what the hell FDIC is. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you why you maybe you're hearing real estate as part of this bank crash and why it doesn't necessarily mean that it's your real estate market that they're talking about. That's interesting. Wait for that. And then I'm going to tell you how this overall banking crash is going to affect housing overall throughout the entire country. And finally, a little silver lining for you from this story. Yeah, there's some good news from it. Well, the timeline, uh, this is great. You got to love the New York Times. Every time something happens like this, uh, they wait about a week or 10 days and then they publish a timeline of what happened. So if you want to know the story, just follow the timeline. That's what I do. Uh, I'm going to give you the bullets summarized. If you want to go deeper, find the article in the Times. Uh, on March 10th, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, uh, one of the most prominent lenders in the startup ecosystem collapsed. Now that's important to know, gang. So basically, they're a Silicon Valley gambler's bank. <laughs> Venture capitalists are these companies that gamble on startups, many of them tech, and they hope that one day they're going to become the next Google or TikTok or Netflix. So if they've got $100 million, they'll throw $10 million at 10 different ideas, and they're willing to lose nine times, 90 million bucks, because if one of them hits, that one makes them a billion. Okay, that's important for you to know. Here's the timeline. On March 8th, my birthday. Great. 
Financial collapse happening on my birthday. Super cool. Uh, Silvergate Capital, which was another gambler bank. Now they gamble on cryptocurrency stuff. They announced it was going to cease operations and liquidate its assets after a bank run. Apparently that word got around and Silicon Valley Bank then freaked everyone out by saying it was going to need to raise $2 billion in capital and it was forced to sell a bond portfolio of $1.8 billion. And then their chief executive, Greg Becker, he came out and gave a statement, blah, blah, everything's fine, blah. March 9th, during a conference call, same dude, Mr. Becker, urged all the venture capitalist people to just stay calm. Panic was from the social media. Well, didn't work because that same day, uh, a bunch of people pulled money out and the stock dropped 60%. The next day, after Mr. Becker said everything was going to be fine, SVB failed after a run on their deposits. By midday, the regulators had taken over Silicon Valley Bank, the nation's 16th largest bank, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, they were named the receiver. In other words, they're in charge of everything. It was a failure of a 40-year-old institution. It became the largest bank crash since 2008, and it put nearly $175 billion in customer customer deposits under the FDIC regulators' control. So, of course, then that same day, investors started to dump the stocks of other banks as well, including First Republic, Signature Bank, Western Alliance, and many other institutions that did what this bank does, which is cater to niche clients. Signature Bank, a 24-year-old bank in New York, they got hit really hard, and they saw on that same day a bunch of deposits leaving. Now, continuing on the timeline, on March 12th, the FDIC came in and said that the depositors will have access to all their money starting Monday, March 13th, and that no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. Well, that got reinforced on March 13th when President Biden, in a speech, said the same thing. He told everyone the U.S. banking system was safe and insisted taxpayers would not be paying for bailouts. No losses are going to be coming from the taxpayers. On March 14th, when everyone was watching to see how everyone was going to react, bank stocks actually recovered some of their losses from the, the days before that. And the Justice Department and the Security Exchange Commission, the SEC, uh, they opened up investigations against our friends at Silicon Valley Bank. Now, the next day on March 15th, now we're getting global. Credit Suisse they share their shares tumbled by 24%. And as I write this, where the next day, it's the 16th, and Credit Suisse shares surged back up because the Swiss Central Bank came in to loan them 50 billion francs or $54 billion to bolster confidence in the country's second biggest lender. So we are going to make the investors pay for it on our side, not have the taxpayers pay for it. And Biden stepping in saying everyone from SVB is going to be fine. And Europe is cutting things off early as well, stopping their bleeding by making sure that their governments are infusing cash into their banks that are having problems. So that's the timeline of what's going on here and around the world. But what the hell does this have to do with you and your money? Okay, first, let's talk about the FDIC. The president says that the investors will pay, not the taxpayers, and the stock market didn't crash, and the FDIC says it's got everything under control, but people are still tripping and they want to make sure their money is safe. So WTF is FDIC. 
All right, what is it? It's Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. It protects your funds if you're with an FDI-insured bank. A lot of the big banks are FDIC-insured. It typically covers up to $250,000 per depositor per institution for each ownership category. If you've got single accounts, joint accounts, or trust accounts. So if your bank balance is $250,000 or less, your money's going to be turned returned to you no matter what happens to that FDIC-insured bank. And in the SVB, Silicon Valley Bank failure, President Biden says that he's protecting, protecting over that $250,000 uh, without using any taxpayer money. Now, how do you know and ensure that your funds are insured? How do you ensure that you're insured? Well, at the bottom of your bank's website, seriously, it just says member FDIC. Uh, sometimes you hear that at the end of commercials and stuff. That means that they are covered. And if you're with a credit union, your funds are usually insured through the National Credit Union Administration or another an acronym, NCUA. And the coverage is pretty much the same. Now, is your money safe in your bank? Yes. If your bank or credit union is federally insured, your money's going to be protected. And the FDIC, in this case, is getting some extra government help, even for the people who had more than the $250,000 FDIC limit. President Biden said all customers who had deposits in the banks can rest assured that they'll be protected and that they'll have access to their money. And he did that on Monday. They got it that day. And then he continued to say, that includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. So there you go. That's FDIC. So let's get back to the collapse. We got the timeline. We understand what FDIC is. So WTF happened to SVB. Gang, this is all gambling. Now, the last time we had a crash like this in 2008, it was a much bigger crash and it was much more entailed with all kinds of institutions that didn't just go in these niche areas. But what was happening then was the entire country and all the big banks, they'd been gambling on the entire housing market. They were using something called mortgage-backed securities and gambling. In 2023, these banks that collapsed, they were gambling on real estate tech companies. So the companies are in trouble, the banks are in trouble, but not the entire housing market or the banking system. Here's how the 2023 SVB gambles work. Somebody had a great idea on how to use technology or the blockchain or crypto to level the playing field in real estate. They wanted to make the next great big tech company so everybody could do real estate. And then the venture capitalists, they fund these ideas hoping that one of them becomes the next big thing. And then they make a billion dollars on their one $10 million investment. But then it gets really fragile because, see, the, the venture capitalists, the VCs, as they call them, they invest their money in the banks. And then they ask the banks for loans for more money so they can invest in other things using leverage, which sometimes can create a crazy house of cards. So if you're hearing about real estate when you're hearing about this bank collapse, understand it's real estate companies, not the housing market. They keep mentioning real estate over and over and over again. And, and it's for good reason. There are some really big players in the real estate tech world, real estate companies that are trying to go out there and assert global domination. 
SVP was the main bank for some really big online real estate companies that are trying to become the next big thing. Have you ever heard of Tomo? Well, they're an online mortgage and credit card company. What about Roofstock? They had a lot of money there too. They're an online-based real estate investing company. Oh, what about Ojo? O-J-O. Their website says owning a home is a big deal, but who says you have to do it alone? At Ojo, we provide the know-how and technology to help you take the next step with confidence. Okay, they lost their shirt. Well, there's another one in here. Uh, I know you've heard me mention Open Door before. That's the company that lost millions of dollars last year with their iBuyer platform. In fact, it got so bad that they had to partner with their main competitor, Zillow, <laughs> since both of their iBuying tech platforms lost so much money in 2022, they had to join forces to try to stay afloat. Oh, and one of the other big companies that was uh, there at Silicon Valley Bank, I know you've heard of this one, Airbnb. See, all these companies had some big venture capitalists gamble on them to be the next big company that could go out there and get all of you guys, capture all you home buyers and home sellers with their kick-ass website. Only that didn't happen, at least not enough for them to make a profit. And they all lost buttloads of money at the end of 2022 when mortgage rates jumped to 7%. And subsequently, their bank collapsed because they were all leveraging their money instead of using capital with actual profits. So when you hear that real estate's being affected by these bank failures, no, no, no. Real estate tech companies and their investors are being affected. Housing can only be affected by one thing right now. Say it with me, homies. Inventory. If you're new to the show, here's a quick refresher on why there's not going to be a crash. Uh, we are populations growing. People keep making people. People want to buy homes. Uh, there are not enough homes being built or for sale. The end. Okay, fine. I'll give you more. Why is inventory so low? Many home builders went bankrupt at the last crash, 2008 to 2012. And they suddenly started making half as many homes as they usually do for five years. And we've never recovered from that. They've been playing catch up. They'd have to double up on the amount of homes and they barely got back to the normal level. And they've been playing catch up for 10 years. And when we were finally starting to make some headway, finally, then 2020, bam, pandemic. So here we are today. And instead of investors and venture capitalists investing in home building companies, they've been investing in tech companies trying to make a quick buck on an industry that has bigger problems. There ain't enough homes for people to buy. Now, again, maybe you're a new listener. Maybe you haven't listened to all my 2023 forecasts and all the, the data that we have behind what's happening with this inventory shortage. So here's some other quick comparisons to explain why this is not like the 2008 bank collapse and why you shouldn't just be sitting around with your money stuffed in a pickle jar waiting for cheap foreclosures to come on the market. Here are five big differences. Number one, the banking industry is far stronger right now than it was during the mortgage crisis of 2008, 9, 10, 11. In addition, early government intervention has been designed to limit the impact to financial and tech industries. Reason number two, like we said, the government's been uh, trying to cut the stuff off in the past. We had these stress tests that they've been doing. The Federal Reserve conducts regular stress tests to determine how likely a major meltdown like 2008 could be. 
The good news is the most recent stress tests showed that major banks could survive both a deep recession and significant unemployment. And neither one appears to be coming up on the horizon anytime soon. Reason number three, it's different. SVP and Signature, these banks, they were specialized banks. Silicon Valley Bank primarily served a very, very narrow niche of the banking sector. That includes those big money startups, those venture capitalists that I talk about and some private equity firms. Signature, they're the ones that did all the crypto stuff. So while there could be losses to individuals and companies, those are the people that are going to pay for this mess. And that's going to stink for them. But the losses should be insulated from impacting the broader economy because they've got a narrowly focused group of clients. Other banks out there that are still going on strong, they are in general far more diversified, offering a lot more protection. Uh, And number four, one of the things that you're going to see happen is uh, any mortgages that were held by uh, this company or the companies within this big bank loss, what happens is what always happens with mortgages. They just change hands. Uh, You can ask your friends who've owned a home. You own a home and suddenly you get in the mail. Suddenly the person that you got the mortgage with is no longer the person that has your mortgage. They get sold and resold on the market all the time. Homeowners, be on the lookout for these notifications in your mail. Now, when they sell them, they sell them with the exact same terms, so nothing for you to worry about. That's just the way Wall Street works. And then the fifth thing, the difference between 2008 and now is, yeah, I'm not saying people aren't going to be affected. Uh, People who are employed for or work with or have lots of money at SVP and Signature, you've probably got to take a good look and see what's happening with your finances. But for everyone else, Overall, this definitely, it's understandable that stirs up uncomfortable memories feeling like 2008, but this is not like the last time and there's no reason to think that it's going to be. Now, for us first-time buyers out there, the crazy thing is this bank crisis actually, it helped first-time home buyers immediately. Mortgage rates dropped right after all this stuff went down. And forecasters are predicting that the Federal Reserve, who's coming up to figure out if they're going to raise rates again, because they're trying to curb inflation. Now they have to decide, do I want to try to curb inflation or do we, we can't. So everyone's saying they don't think they're going to raise the rates at the same speed that they have been because they've got to make sure everyone's calm about this bank thing. So in an ironic twist, yes, Alanis Morissette, I said ironic, mortgage rates nosedive for a little bit and the 10-year treasury note, which is what we look at to see what mortgage rates are going to do, it actually started to drop a little bit too. Now, don't get crazy. Don't think you're going to get 3 or 4% loans again. But the general consensus is the Fed's going to have to slow down their rate hike, which means good news for mortgage rates in the spring. Okay, so, so this happened on the 10th. I'm recording this on the 16th. So now everyone's had a little bit of time to kind of get their bearings on it. Some of the other economists say that uh, Seattle and San Francisco's markets have already experienced a decline because tech was fading a little bit before this, and now it's probably going to continue. And of course, at the same time, these improved mortgage rates are finally going to be able to maybe push some homeowners to list their properties, replenishing the supply for the next generation of buyers. One economist, Al Otero, who is the Armada ETF Advisors Portfolio Manager, said, quote, The implications are that we could see a material reduction in mortgage rates going into the spring sales season, which would be a substantial positive for the housing market, unquote. 
And then, you know, if I'm quoting economists, I've got to talk to the National Association of Realtors chief economist, Lawrence Yoon. Uncle Larry, to all you homies out there, he says, quote, the Silicon Valley bank failure, along with a few other banks, means the Federal Reserve cannot be so aggressive in raising its short-term interest rates. Therefore, mortgage rates will decline. So a panic, in a sense, leads to an automatic stimulus to the economy from lower interest rates. The housing sector nearly always responds to falling mortgage rates, especially when there are job additions to the economy. And if the rates do head lower, more home buyers will undoubtedly still enter the housing market in response, unquote. Thank you, Uncle Larry. And again, he warns a little bit that this could be a problem with the tech industry. He said, quote, some businesses reliant on funding from Silicon Valley Bank and the others may lack capital to continue its business or have to cut back. There could be some job losses ahead, especially in some California tech companies. Local housing markets might be hampered by these job losses, but broadly, Across the country, more home buyers will enter the market because of the low mortgage rates. Unquote. So, once again, real estate's always local. So, California Tech going to have some problems, but the rest of the country is actually going to benefit from those lower rates. All right, let's put two and two together. The number one problem right now in real estate is not affordability. Listen to my urgent episode a couple podcasts ago or my get-off-your-ass episode, remember, I said that with love, I do not think that we're going to see a discount bargain basement deals out there. Things are still tough. That's understandable. But the big word, what is it, everybody? Inventory. Yes, there are still way too many buyers for way too few homes. So if rates drop a little bit, or if certain areas have some crashing in prices because they're too connected to tech, buyers are still going to come out. And if those prices drop and the rates drop and the buyers come out, what happens? Well, the buyers come out, we get bidding wars and the prices go right back up. So go to (laughs) getoffyourass.org. If you haven't listened to that episode, please listen to that. Otherwise, you're just going to think I'm a condescending jerk. I'm saying this all in love because this bank run is going to be a blip in the headlines and prices will be back up by the summer. It's all about inventory. Now, if you're a buyer in the planning phases of making this your last lease ever, and you're not able to move by spring or summer, well, the bank collapse has a silver lining for you as well. Savers could end up being big winners after the Silicon Valley bank collapse. Yeah, savers. See, what's happening is the banks are collapsing. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do do with their money. So some financial institutions are upping their yields on their deposit accounts. Yeah. After the failures, they want to say, hey, come here. We've got good deals for you. Uh, A spokesperson for Synchronicity told Yahoo Finance, quote, we price our products to be competitive with others with the desire to attract new customers, unquote. So they're raising how much you get on your CDs. Some of them are jumping as much as almost an entire percentage point. So maybe four to five percent. That's a nice little chunk of change for you. So, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, I know one percentage point doesn't make you feel more comfortable about a bank run. But hopefully in listening to all of this, you'll understand that there are huge economic factors affecting what's going on, not just here, but globally. And what we're seeing is a niche collapse. 
And it's a collapse of something that doesn't necessarily affect nationwide housing. You know, I'm struggling to figure out a way to uh, wrap this up for you. So how about this one? As an advocate and a guide for first-time homebuyers for 17 years now, I've been through a lot of different things. And I have seen panic from people when something happens that they don't understand or gets big headlines. Or more importantly, if they just really have no clue how it's going to affect housing. You know, whenever something comes along and someone calls it a crisis, there's panic. And that makes perfect sense. But let me tell you some of the panics that I've seen in my time that haven't affected housing. Elections, pandemics, domestic unrest, global wars, Brexit, inflation, recession, gas prices, milk prices, giant bidding wars on homes. All of these have been reasons or excuses for buyers because they were expecting a gigantic crash. And so they decided to wait it out. And I can tell you, and gang, all I can tell you is this, is that every time one of these crises, 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 whatever, one of those panic moments, every time one of them happened, I would always make sure that myself and my buyers and the lenders and everyone else involved, mom and dad too, we would look at the housing data. And you know what we looked at most of the time? You guessed it, inventory. Well, and then you want to get even deeper? We looked at inventory and equity in homes. Low inventory and high equity in homes means no crash. Minor corrections will happen. But if the government keeps working to lower inflation and lower interest rates, we're going to continue with the housing market being sought after as a commodity where inventory is low and buyers are still out there willing to buy homes. So let's continue the revolution here. Help as many would-be first-time home buyers as you can so they can get out there and take advantage and not just sit and panic because of the most recent crisis. Rate, review, subscribe. Go to howtobuyahome.com and get your guide. Look, if you want to get off your ass, uh, like I said in the last episode, uh, getoffyourass.org will take you directly to howtobuyahome.com. Go there, ask David, ask a question. Your guided plan is waiting for you so that these freaky moments become less and less terrifying for you because you have a plan in place. You're armed with that. No matter what's happening, we want you to feel comfortable and I want you to be able to take advantage. You can do this. 